Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how to make meal planning work for you. Tips for using meal planning to open up more time and energy in your life with Jana Braddock, who is a registered dietitian, nutritionist and personal trainer who specializes in sports nutrition. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Really excited to be on the show today. I'm also excited. I think that um, meal planning is something I've thought about, but um, haven't had the energy to like really look into. So I'm excited for this. Um, but before we do jump into that, um, do you mind um, introducing yourself a little bit more? Absolutely. So I am Jenna Braddock, a dietitian. I live in Florida in the U.S. Um, I've been working in performance nutrition um, for almost 20 years now, helping people to perform at their best. And I originally started with just athletes. Uh, that was my passion. It still is to this day. But I realized that no matter if you're an athlete or not, everyone really wants to show up and perform in their life. And so I've really enjoyed working with a wide variety of different clients through different modalities, just helping people have great energy, have great health and perform for whatever and whoever matters most for them. That sounds great. And who doesn't want to pretend to that they're a sports person? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think we could definitely learn a lot from high-level athletes uh, and and take a lot of their lessons into our own personal lives as well. And um, that's something I really enjoy helping to translate for people. Sounds great. Um, so we're also going to uh, do a section we call, Have You Met Jenna?, where we get to know you a little bit better. Um, so what's your favorite book? Well, I will just go with what I'm currently reading for the second time this year because I really loved it a lot. And it's called The Me I Want to Be. It's by George Orberg and really about spiritual formation and becoming the best version of ourselves in that. Um, and I've just really enjoyed it. Super practical and a really enjoyable read as well. You know, it's a good book when you go back to it a second time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I need it. It's more, I need this. I need to read it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's also good because um, it's, it's the kind of book I think um, that is more of a reference book as well as being a readable book. It sounds like. Yes. Yeah. That's a really great way to put it. And I enjoy, he's a great storyteller. So it's, you, you laugh along with the process that, that you're learning. And then there's absolutely so many actionable things to look at and see how does, how can I make this work for me? Or how's this something I can Im implement in my own life? Definitely. Um, really good to have those books in your lives. Um, is, yes. there, is there a movie that you've seen recently? Yeah. So I'm a mom as well. Probably should have said that at the beginning. Um, and I have two boys. They're nine and 11. And what our family has just recently started to do is watch the Harry Potter series together. So they're finally old enough 
I, you know, I saw it and watched it all as they were coming out in real time. So we've just really enjoyed sitting down as a family over the past few weeks and kind of slowly making our way through those really wonderful stories and those movies. So I, I'm, I'm loving it. So the, the later ones get a little bit darker, don't they? Um, yeah, that's you, why we've waited. Okay. We waited a little bit and, um, you know, where there'll be some conversations as we go. My oldest is into it. Like he kind of likes the good versus evil situation. My youngest is like scary. So we've gone very slowly with I, him and he doesn't have to watch them. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I certainly I loved the books and the movies. So um, I think, you know, every kid should watch them. But um, I was definitely scared of a few of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a good, you got to be on top of it as a parent, as you're watching it as well. Definitely. Um, do you listen to any podcasts? I do. I do. I, I listen to a wide variety. Um, I have two kind of go-tos that I listen to. One is my super fun, just makes me smile podcast. And that's called The Popcast. And it's, it's two people, Knox and Jamie, that just review like pop culture and all a variety of really fun topics that is just a really great release from life and makes me laugh. And as I get older, it like helps me stay connected to what's actually happening in the pop culture world. <laughs> so I love that one. Uh, that's my release in the week. And then I have really enjoyed the Huberman Lab uh, and really learning about uh, neuroscience as it relates to a lot of different areas of health uh, and just really have gained a lot of knowledge through listening to those. I love how you've got the sort of duality of the fun and the informative. Um, I think that's a really great balance to have. Um, but yeah, neuroscience and health sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. Andrew Huberman is the creator of that podcast out of Stanford, and he is super brilliant and brings on a lot of people who are also really brilliant. And they deep dive some just really fascinating topics. Great. I'll have to give that a listen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a role model? I do. Uh, I too, actually, and and they're related. It's my dad and then my big brother as well. So my dad um, was an entrepreneur, which I have followed in his footsteps in that way um, as a marriage and family therapist. And I'm just really grateful as an adult growing up with someone who had his wisdom. Uh, we have a very similar personality. He's a really loving father and just kind of laid the story for me that I could create a business using the gifts that God's giving me in a really creative way. So I'm grateful for that. And then my big brother is uh, is just a really cool guy. He's super diverse and he's a pastor and just an excellent communicator and can be super serious. And then he's also the person that makes me laugh the hardest. Um, and then he's just been a really hard worker and he's really creative and just expresses his knowledge and skills in a lot of different ways. So I'm just really grateful that I've had those two wonderful men in my life and, you know, my husband as well. So I'm, I'm really grateful for their, their model in my life. It's great when they're not just, I guess, your role model, but also a support system as well. Yeah. I'm very grateful, very blessed for that. Um, and have you done a course that's inspired you? Yeah. So I wouldn't call it a course, uh, but it's a, an, another book that kind of is reads like a workbook. Um, and it's very similar to the book that I like. You can tell what I've been working on in my own inner life lately. And it's called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. 
Um, and so it, it's kind of like a process of peeling back some of the layers of your inner life and really evaluating, are they working for you? Are you making wise investments with your time and energy and, and gives you some framework for rebuilding some areas that maybe might feel out of balance? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, you're obviously very competent in the meal planning and the sports nutrition area, but I guess we all have our, we all have places that we need to work on our lives. And it sounds like you're doing a really great job. Well, thanks. I will be a forever work in process, but, um, you know, when I work with people in nutrition and health and fitness, what I have found is that so much of it is about behavior change, not just the knowledge of what they should do. So a very common phrase I hear is, I know what to do, but I just don't do it. So I like to tell my clients, well, I help you figure out what's going on between those two statements. And a lot of it is behavior change, mental work, emotional work. And so as I find tools and resources that help me and help me grow um, in many ways, there are things I can also bring in working with my clients as well. So interested how everything's so connected. Yeah, it is so connected. And that's why I say nutrition is so easy and so hard all at the same time. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's so easy. We all know what we should be eating to be healthy. Like mm -hmm. that's very clear. Uh, but the actual doing of it becomes really challenging for a variety of different reasons. And we're going to talk about some of those even in our conversation today. Yes, I can't wait to get there. But first, um, how would you define household management? This is a great question. So what I describe this as is awareness of the climate of your home. Um, and for me as, as a mom and a wife and a household manager, I, I kind of see it as in each season that I'm in with our family, figuring out how to emphasize what's really crucial at the time and de-emphasizing what's not. Because it's really easy to just get busy as a family um, and to feel really crazy when it comes to your household management. And I'm not saying this is like a perfect science here, but um, just kind of being aware of that climate and saying, well, how are we doing here? Is everyone thriving? Um, and really trying to let go of controlling my people, because that's hard for me, probably many others as well. And instead, okay, am I building an environment here in this home where everyone can thrive in their unique way? And it sounds beautiful. It's actually very hard to do. <laughs> so I want to be very honest about that. But um, that's that's what I see as household management, truthfully. Do you have any examples? Yeah. Um, so, you know, right now, I'll just go with right, right now. One of my sons has been going through kind of a challenging situation with one of his friends. And so we're, he's learning some really significant life lessons through this time. So as I kind of think about, okay, what do we need to do in this week to help support him? You know, it, it's coming down to, okay, when are we going to be home as a family? What kind of, can we plan to have a meal together at least once or twice this week, you know, connecting to what we're talking about today? Do we need to say yes to these things or is that going to feel like just a lot or would saying yes to those be a great distraction and give us opportunity to connect outside of the situation that he's getting in. So um, that's just a, a tiny little example. And there's typically many storylines going on at one time. <laughs> um, so like I said, it's not easy and nor am I Cinderella when it comes to that. It's, I don't get it right often, but um, you know, that awareness of just not 
not what I need to be successful this week, but what is what's something I can do to help contribute to everyone in our household being successful is a mindset that I'm trying to embrace more. That's so interesting. Yeah, it sounds very difficult to be, I guess, balancing all the family's different um, complexities and making sure that they're all doing well because, yeah, it's a lot to think about. It really is. And I know for us in our family, you know, my husband and I, we try to stay united where we are trying to all pursue similar things, not not necessarily in the, the nitty gritty details of it, but again, back to that word climate, like we're building in and we're all kind of pursuing the ebbs and flows. Like if it's going to be an intense week, how can we really try to have a less intense weekend where we have quality time, where we have downtime? Um, you know, so I think having your partner be on the same page with you and and talking about those things and even saying like, listen, this week's crazy. Like I, I can't do these things. Can you help me? You know, working as a partnership is a great thing. And I know not everyone's in that situation. Um, once again, very blessed to have a partner that, that does this with me, but um, it's, it's messy a lot of the time. Let's just mm. be honest. It's messy a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's yeah important, as you said, to communicate and use your support system, whoever you have, you've got. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ask for help. I was just talking to a neighbor about this today. You know, she's like, I don't mind helping others, but it's really hard for me to ask for help. And, you know, we got to get better at that. I think mm. we do. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that sometimes. Um, <laughs> but on to our main topic today, because I'm really curious about this. Um, so what is meal planning? So because meal planning can actually look like a lot of different things, I thought it might be interesting to start with what it's not. Okay. <laughs> to kind of help us better understand it or what would be the absence of meal planning. And if we're not doing any kind of meal planning, any kind of forethought, it's basically just letting food happen to you. Where I happen to be, when I'm hungry, the food that's there and I consume it. So that's kind of where no planning is involved whatsoever. So then meal planning to me is simply thinking ahead about what you're going to eat, whether that's in a very small hour period or a week long period or month long period, whatever it might be. It's simply thinking ahead, having a little forethought in what will I try to feed myself or my people next? That's funny because um, we were teasing one of my partner's friends. Um, he said he was meal prepping and he was uh -huh. making lunch for the next day. And we were like, that's not meal prepping. That's just making lunch for the next day. Yes, it is, Gabriella. <laughs> Oh no, I've been schooled. <laughs> it's, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about more as we go through, but like, that's one of the misconceptions I think about meal planning and meal prepping, that it's this elaborate day long situation where you grocery shop and then you plan and then you chop and then you put all these things in little containers and then you're ready. And that it can certainly look like that. But that idea alone keeps a lot of people from even taking the first step. So if we just kind of peel back all the layers and say it's simply thinking ahead about what you're going to eat is that is meal planning is at its purest, simple form. To me, that's very empowering. And as we build the skill of meal planning, which it is a skill, starting just there and beginning to think ahead can begin to build some of that self-efficacy that could lead to elaborate Sunday meal prep day, if that's what you want to end up at. I'm glad to know that I have been meal planning then. Oh, good. Yeah, it's always nice to know you've been doing something well. Exactly. I mean, it might only be an hour beforehand, but, you know, still planned it. Well done. Well done. 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, so I guess how does meal planning in how does meal planning impact the home? Well, this is I think very personal to what your home is like. So I'll speak for me and what I see in a lot of the clients that I work with as well is planning ahead for your meals just makes the execution of it a lot easier. And however easier means to you um, is how it can benefit you. So for me, I know meal planning is an energy saver for me. Um, I don't want to think about dinner at 4.30 on Monday afternoon and then be like, oh, do I have this or that? Do you like this? Uh, you know, to me, that is not an enjoyable way nor an easy way for me to do it. Now, you know, I certainly do do that and wing it many days. But what I really like save and help save my energy for other things I'd rather do is planning what we're going to eat different nights, grocery shopping ahead of time and having those ingredients ready. So for me, that benefits our household because A, dinner's a breeze. It's much easier. That opens up some time for me to play with my boys after school, which they really like, as opposed to taking way longer to prepare the meal. Um, a lot of times if I, I can prep a few things ahead, I've cut down on the time that it could take. And then I've already thought about, well, how we're going to eat the leftovers too. So I'm not worried about, oh, I made too much. So there's so many ways that it could benefit it. For me, it just makes me a better mom. It makes me a better wife. You know, when my kids come in for dinner, I'm not like, you know, hair everywhere and pots boiling. You know, I feel like a, a little bit more on top of what's happening and I can be present. And I really love dinner as a family. That's one of my favorite things um, and events in the day. So I want to set us up to have a really peaceful experience as often as we can, you know. Um, and so meal planning helps me do that. So it's really a connection to my purpose there as well. Mm. I've definitely often been in that situation where four, four o'clock, five o'clock, oh, what do we buy? What do we need to make? And we don't have any of the ingredients. All the shops are closing. Um, and it just makes it really difficult to actually make dinner. And then it ends up being quite a, like a long process because mm -hmm. not only do you have to think of what to make, you have to go to the supermarket, you've got to come back from the supermarket and you've got to cook that. And it's just, yeah. Sometimes. By that time, you're like, whatever, let's just have cereal <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, it's 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 a very draining process when you just kind of let it unfold. Mm. It sounds very dreamy to be like, oh, we'll just see what we feel like and make it. And certainly there's days for that and people that enjoy cooking, that could be a reality for them. But for the majority of us that are closing the workday, trying to get home, land the plane, the easier it is, the better. Mm, definitely. And you mentioned before letting meals happen to you. So what does that mean? Yeah. So I find with my clients that I work with who are like our folks in business or just the normal work day or travel or whatever, um, we can't just go about our day and expect healthy food that makes our body feel good just appear. You know, now certainly some people are in environments where healthy food is abundant and easy to access and prepared. But I tell my clients, like, there's not a food fairy. Most people do not have a food fairy that just, you know, delivers a balanced lunch or dinner for you. So if we don't plan anything, then food's just going to happen. I'm starving. This food is here. That looks amazing. I'm just going to eat it and not think about the context of that meal, how it impacts my energy, is this good for my health or whatever. It makes it, you know, we're just solely driven by hunger 
or hangry, as we often say, you know, just I'm so hungry. I don't feel good. I need to eat to feel better done. And oftentimes things happen in that meal that end up leaving us feel feeling guilty or heavy or tired or frustrated with ourselves, you know, and and so we just let food happen to us. So it's something to be aware of in your life that if you want to eat differently, if that's something that you desire or feel like is necessary, or maybe you want to improve your health, then it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen because you plan to make it happen. And how does, how does food impact your health? Oh, well, that is a very big question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let me just say like more specifically, probably for meal planning here, um, kind of tagging off what we just talked about. If you want to say eat more vegetables, like that's something that you're like, I know that's healthy for me. I want to eat more plants. You know, I know it's going to benefit my cholesterol or my heart health or my energy or prevent disease. That's important to me. So when you meal plan, you can that's one of the tactics you could use is, well, let me just plan my vegetables for the day. How am I going to get five servings of vegetables in just as a number to use? Okay. How could I do that? Let me see at lunch. I could do this for a snack. I could do this. And for dinner, I could do this. So it's helping us take some of those recommendations for healthy food that we all know we should be doing. And that then gives us a system for actually executing that. Um, and so there's, you know, such a wide variety of, of, uh, benefits for that. So even your desire is to cook more at home, like which I think is a great skill and something that definitely contributes to a healthy body and longevity and certainly easier on your wallet. Well, the only way that's going to happen consistently is if you plan to make it happen, which is meal planning. Yes, I've definitely been in that situation where I want to make dinner, but there's no vegetables in the cupboard. So either I go out and buy something or I make a meal with no vegetables in it. And neither one is particularly good. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's kind of like, what do I do here? You know, and I love to tell people like, give yourself lots of grace. The fact that you're even going to cook yourself dinner is a wonderful thing. You know, that's a great choice, I think always. And then when you've had a situation like that, where things didn't go down the way that you wanted them to, Instead of going to a place of, you know, guilt or shame or dang it, I'm never, I did it again. Like, let's just have a bottle of wine and chips while we're at it, you know, or whatever you're, you may go to. Instead of going there, I like my clients to say, okay, let's just evaluate what, what happened. Let's be very objective. Pretend you're looking at a friend's life and you just observe this. What are some things that we could pull out as to why you landed in this situation? And simply just going back through that and saying, well, this happened and this happened and that led to this. And then simply asking yourself, well, what can I do differently next time if I don't want this situation to unfold the same way? And we can begin to just have curiosity with ourselves and grace to then be like, well, you know what? Tomorrow, I don't want that to be the case. So on my lunch break, I'm going to head to the store and pick up some things I need and have those ready for dinner or I'm going to shop for the whole week or whatever the thing that might need to come out of that. Um, but it's really important that we're, we have grace with ourselves, but then also say, what can I do differently next time? I think that's so, it's so lovely to, I guess, have, be able to have that forgiveness for yourself. Cause we all, we all are people. I know I make mistakes. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's the situation um, we do 
buy groceries once every two weeks. Uh, we go to the market. <laughs> but at the end of the two weeks, all the vegetables are mushy and yeah, I don't want to eat those. Um, and we might not have time to go to the supermarket. So it's okay, I guess, if we've eaten most of the vegetables, then yeah. it's fine. Yeah, I mean, if most of them have made it into your body, mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, we don't want things to go into the the trash, you know, working on reducing our food waste is super important. But the other thing that I think is important there too is for us to have open minds about what healthy eating is. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people have some stereotypes about this is what a healthy meal should look like. And while there's probably nothing wrong with that stereotype, healthy eating can look like so many different things, especially when we take into account our cultures and our backgrounds and how we were raised and what our skill sets are. So really kind of opening our mind to healthy eating can look like a lot of different things and a lot of different meals and also using some convenience products that are shelf stable, like our canned goods or our frozen options. We don't have to just eat fresh vegetables every day. Again, that sounds very lovely and rosy, but having frozen vegetables in your freezer at all times means you're never without vegetables. Mm. And that's that's a win or canned vegetables or canned beans, whatever it might be. Those make wonderful options for those emergency meals. That's what I call that when you're like, we're out of stuff or I didn't have time and we need to throw together a meal where those shelf stable items or freezer friendly items are going to be lifesavers on those days. I do like um, also making extra food and then freezing it, um, Mm -hmm. but haven't been so good at that recently. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, that takes a little bit of planning to mm. think ahead on that. Like, what is a meal that I could make this week that always has leftovers that freezes really well? Or can I buy double the ingredients so I make a bigger batch and have it and thank myself next week? So one of the things I like to ask myself is, okay, what will future Jenna be glad that I did today (laughs) in a variety (laughs) of things? But when it comes to like food and stuff, what what is what will I what can we do today that I know I'll benefit from in the future? I think I have the opposite. I'm like, oh, future Gabriella can deal with that problem. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's just a, a different mindset to think about. It may not jive with you, and that's totally okay. But it's something for me that has motivated me, especially when I'm lacking in motivation, to just be like, okay, what will. Jenna next week be glad that I did today. So just something to try out and see if it works for you. I think it sounds like a good idea. Um, So you also mentioned that healthy eating can look like different things, that there's no, I guess, one way to to eat healthily. Um, What are some misconceptions and I guess what can it look like? Yeah. So, you know, I, I teach people to make, to build balanced meals around what makes them feel good, what gives them energy and what helps them to be their best. And I think everyone probably has an ideal of what that kind of breakdown is like for them. So I teach just really simple handfuls. So starting with like a handful of protein, adding two handfuls of fruits and vegetables, and then playing with one to two handfuls of carbohydrates or none, depending on kind of how that makes you feel. And so just having that mindset, we can translate that to all different kinds of foods all different kinds of eating scenarios, you know, things from cans or fresh foods from the market. Um, And then just kind of play with that to say, okay, can I get this meal as close to that ideal version as I'd like? And if not, that's that's okay. 
Um, let me try my best here and make it work, you know? And when we throw on the layer of budget as well, we have to honor that we might only have so much money to spend on our food. And so let's not uh, chastise ourselves if it's not that perfect balanced meal every time, but we're trying pretty darn hard to make that work with what we do have as well. I guess trying and succeeding sometimes is better than not doing it at all. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I tell my clients often, like we can learn from failures and successes. You know, the diet mentality tells us if you fail, then you're done. You're off the wagon, forget it, go eat the carton of ice cream, it's over. <laughs> but reality is, well, we can actually learn a lot from situations that didn't go as well as we'd like or weren't ideal, or even situations where we're not proud of ourselves and what we did. We can learn from that by simply once again, asking that question, what can I do different next time? Definitely, I think that's the same with a lot of I mean, I, I, I've heard that with things like um, smoking, um, that each time you fail, you're one step closer to succeeding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or finding one more thing that doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so if people do want to start meal planning, um, where should they start? It seems like it seems very daunting to me. Yeah. So I think the best thing to do with this or with anything in health and wellness, truthfully, is to simply start very small. It is a skill you have to build, build. Just like if you're learning the piano, you would not start with, you know, a concerto. <laughs> you would start with dun, 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 you know, tapping it out and just learning the keys. So a lot of times we have a really high standard for ourselves with these things in health and wellness. Like, oh, I should just be able to meal plan and cook and do all those things and it'll be fine. And it's a skill just like anything else. So um, I actually have put together a meal planning boot camp that I um, am happy to make available to listeners for free. That's simply an email series that, that walks you through these very simple steps. And so step one is simply just thinking about your lunch ahead of time. So a lot of times you think, oh, I got a meal plan. I need to meal plan breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or I need to have all my meals or dinners planned for the week. And that's actually a pretty advanced skill. <laughs> and if you want to burn out quickly, that's a great way to do it. But instead, if we think about lunch, which for a lot of people in a working environment, adults, you know, lunches tends to not be with the family. So it's more focused on themselves, less distractions there, or less others to feed. And it just simply starts with thinking about where am I going to eat today? Am I going to bring my food? I'm going to eat here or eat there. And we start there, just kind of build on that each week. So we get to a place where, okay, now I'm sitting down and thinking about my dinners for the week. But I, I got here at a very strategic step-by-step -step process where I feel much more confident. I have tools, I have skills, and I know, I know how to do this now. So, you know, my encouragement as people is just start small and build that skill of awareness and thinking ahead of time, even if it's as simple as, what am I gonna have for lunch today at work? Yeah, that's, um, I think that's, it's nice to know that it can be easy to um, actually start because, yeah, I think I've seen, I think you've mentioned before the videos of people with their boxes and they plan everything out for the whole week. And yeah. it does seem very intimidating, but I guess breaking it down into just one meal um, a week mm -hmm. and then maybe two meals a week um, seems a lot easier. Yeah. And, and the goal is that you're building self-efficacy 
Mm. along with the skill, like not just I want to do this, but I can do this. And so my guess would be if a lot of these people that do, you know, big meal prep days and plan their whole weeks and get all their things in order, didn't start that way. They Mm -hmm. started maybe one or two meals or one or two things, but yet you're seeing the full expression of it. So comparison is the thief of joy. (laughs) So just forget what other people are doing and assess yourself, what works with you and your personality. I'm a big believer in honoring people's personality and health and wellness. You know, some people are like get so pumped to plan ahead and that is just thrilling to them. And other people are like, that is killing me softly to do all that, you know? So you got to honor that too and really just kind of find the method that works for you that helps you feel confident in your health and the choices that you're making. And you mentioned before that, um, you know, lunchtimes are, lunchtimes are a good place to start because um, you're just dealing with yourself. You're not dealing with other people. Um, mm-hmm. So I imagine that it could be very difficult to meal plan when you've got, you know, one kid who, I don't know, can't eat nuts and another kid who really hates chicken. Um, like, how do you, how do you plan that? How do you, <laughs> how do you find enough recipes for the whole family? Right. Well, I I will just confess, you know, I'm a registered dietitian. I do enjoy cooking. I love a variety of foods. And when I became a parent, I did not anticipate that feeding my children would be one of my greatest challenges. (laughs) I had a little bit like pie in the sky of like, everyone's going to love foods from around the world, you know, and that's just not been my reality. So I, I say that because I understand it's, it's hard as parents to try to meet everyone's needs. And there's a lot of strategies around picky eaters and some really wonderful experts out there in helping families navigate that because it's super stressful. Um, so I'll speak a little bit more generally. Um, what I have moved to, and again, my boys are a little bit older, they're nine and 11, have a lot of opinions about what we should have for dinner. And so I've tried to incorporate people's opinions. Like I ask my family members, what are your favorite meals? Uh, And I try to make one meal a week that I know each family member likes. And sometimes it's multiple people like the meal. So we've kind of checked a bunch of boxes there. Um, But when we sit down for a meal that maybe I prefer or is something I'm doing for health, like seafood, I love seafood. My family's like not, not big fans. But they know that it's good. So they, you know, we'll sit down for dinner. In fact, this is what we had tonight before I started recording. And I like to then be able to say, oh, yes, well, tomorrow is taco night and everyone loves taco night. So let's remember that that's happening as well. And that's been something that's worked well in our family and worked with the personalities of my children. And we also talk about how as a family unit, we do things for each other. And sometimes that means having a meal that you don't really care for, but I do. And I'm going to have a meal that you care for that I may not. So again, those are the conversations we've had in our household. And I know it's not always quite that simple um, to do that in everyone's situation, but those are some, you know, verbiage we've used in our house. And then the other kind of thing that I've realized as a busy parent who kids do activities and things like that, one of kind of my tips for success is when I'm planning my meals for the week for our dinners. I typically leave one night open 
And I either know we'll have leftovers from one meal or I just leave it open for, you know, life to happen because life happens a lot. You know, we're the kids are exhausted and we're out and it's just it's just a night to feed them from a restaurant um, or whatever might happen. We find ourselves at a ball game and we get concession stands, you know. So that's kind of helped me also deal with the challenge of like, I planned all this work and I did this and now you don't even want to eat it. You know, that, that's been frustrating for me and maybe some parents can relate. So now I just play it, especially if it is a, a busier week, like, okay, we have some space here for adaptability and maybe we eat at home and I have emergency meals I can pull out, you know, from the freezer or whatever. Or maybe it's a night where we end up doing something else and that really brings joy to other people in the family too. So that's been, that's been a lifesaver for me many a week. Yeah. Cause I, um, yeah, I've been in that situation as well, where you plan and you buy all the ingredients for something mm-hmm. and then you end up being out way more, you know, you go visit some friends and you have dinner with them and then you see your parents, you eat dinner with them. And, um, one night it's just you and you don't want to cook a whole meal. And then you end up with all of these extra ingredients from the whole week of planning that just go off, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's a very frustrating thing. So Mm. when you meal plan and you're getting to that place where you're really thinking about your dinners for the week, um, I suggest pulling out your calendar and I do this. I'm a paper calendar person. I cannot do a digital calendar. (laughs) It has failed me too many times. So I have a paper calendar and I walk through, okay, what's happening this week? And I'll review with my husband, um, you know, what, what's going on in your week? Is there something I don't know about? And, and I take those things into account and, you know, I've been married for almost 18 years. I've been a parent for 11 years. So I kind of know my family. And I can look at the calendar and be like, oh, I know what's going on this week. You know, <laughs> this will be a week where it's going to be real easy to eat at home four nights, or this is going to be a week where I'm just going to be glad we get one meal at home because it's just a busy one. So I think being realistic with your schedule, you know, and then there's been times where my my boys, because I'm the only female in the house, are like, we just really want to go eat out. Can we, can we, can we? And I'm like, well, guys, I've already like defrosted the chicken, already prepped the vegetables. I'm sorry, like not tonight. I'm ready to cook and do it. They don't love that answer, but they go with it, you know, because I do want to use these ingredients that we've prepped and I purchased. And I guess you can always eat out another night. Yeah. The restaurants are almost always open. We can do it again. You know, and and those are just simple things to kind of talk through as well. Now, is there anything that I've missed that you wanted to discuss? Let me think. Um, Oh, you know, one of the things I think is important to bring up, um, kind of related to that idea that healthy eating looks a lot of different ways, Mm -hmm. is that when it comes to meal planning and eating at home or preparing your food, don't be afraid to utilize all the incredible options that we have in our modern world. You know, whether that's meal delivery or meal kits or grab and go or bake at home options, whatever you have available to you, like that's still meal planning. That's still okay. Um, And even just very simple things that can work for you is still like a great choice and can really support your body being at its best. So that's once again, kind of taking away these stereotypes that meal planning or healthy eating only looks this way and use these tools when you need them, especially if you're in a season with your family where 
they're bored of your recipes or you have just difficulty being at home cooking or it's hard to get to the grocery store. Like if you have the ability to use some of those resources, do it. You know, there is a period where I was just so bored of the recipes that we were making. I've written two cookbooks like and I still get bored like it happens to everybody. So for a few weeks, we did a meal prep kit service just because I wanted some variety and I wanted somebody else to decide what was for dinner for me. And it was a really nice break. And then the family kind of got tired of that after a few weeks and we, you know, paused it and went back to making meals at home. So it's not like losing the battle when we use some of those services or some of those convenience options. If it helps you with your ultimate goal, then fantastic. Thank goodness for the modern world. (laughs) And I've had friends who have gotten the meal kits, made them, and then got bored of them. And they've just kept the recipes that that they liked. Uh And it's, I think it's really great because you know that this recipe works and it's healthy because, you know, they've balanced it already for you. Um, Yeah. And you can add that into your own repertoire of everything else that you like to eat. Guilty as charged. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's so nice. I mean, they give you these nice recipe cards. Typically they show you all the steps on there. And I have a handful of those recipes that our family really loved. And yes, they're pretty easy to make again. And we've definitely leaned on them. So it's just a really fun way to get outside your box and do some things. And I've even had clients tell me that getting those services help them learn to cook because it tells you exactly what to do. So it, it can be a really nice skill for or tool for improving your cooking skills as well. Of course. Yeah. Learn different techniques. Are there any yeah. other tools or apps that you recommend people try out? Sure. So there are some really great like uh, meal planning services out there that will send you weekly meal plans and shopping lists and recipes. You know, there's lots of different bloggers who have done that as well as more former services too. And if that sounds like something that would be really nice for you, I would encourage you to look for some of those subscription services when they just deliver the meal plan, the recipes and the grocery list, it's not a very expensive service and it can be really helpful. Um, Outside of that, I am just a big paper and pen kind of girl. So I would encourage you to like get a, you know, big sheet of paper or one of the meal planning pads and use that and, and write out. And again, even if you're just thinking through what I'm taking for lunch or what I'm going to eat for breakfast this week and just jotting it down. Um, that is such a helpful tool getting it out of your head and down on paper. It's just going to make it so much easier to execute. And then the other thing that I really like kind of to your point with the saving those recipes is I like to see my physical recipes. You know, we used to have only cookbooks, then the internet came around and we've got all this amazing repertoire of recipes online. But I just have found that I prefer to see the paper. So when I make something like off my phone or off my tablet and I like it, I print that recipe and I actually have notebooks in my kitchen that um, are coordinated by the thing. So entrees, sides, salads, et cetera. Um, And I put the recipe in there. So when I am meal planning, I will pull out my entree book and flip through it and say, oh, I haven't made this in a while. Oh, there's that recipe we liked from HelloFresh. Let's make that this week. And that becomes a really powerful tool, especially on the days where you're like, I got no ideas. I have no idea what to make. (laughs) 
will pull out your notebook and look through your recipes. And then I'll literally physically take them out, put them on my cookbook holder. So all my recipes are ready for the week to go, just depending on the night. I use them, make the meal, and then move on. So just even really simple old school methods can save time and energy when it comes to meal planning. The other thing I find that happens to me is that um, I will find a really good recipe and then I'll I'll make it and I'll be like, oh, this is great. And then I can't find it again. Yeah. That's why I print mine. I am an, I mean, there's my printer back there. I am a printer. <laughs> I know not everyone has a printer. I mean, the other thing you can do too is take screenshots and then make an album in your photos on your phone of favorite recipes. So you know exactly where they are and they're really easy to find. I have intended to make that so many times. And then... Today's the day, Gabriella. Today's the day. I have a printer at home, so I'm going to stick with the printing method, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. then I... I love my, it. If my phone dies, I can use the paper recipe. Yes. What happens if electricity is not available or something? Who knows? There's no electricity. <laughs> there's no cooking because my apartment is all That's electricity. True. That's true. And that was a silly thing to see. Totally right. But if the internet goes on us, we still got our recipes. Exactly. And some people have gas stoves still. True, true. Um, just a, another thought I had was, do you have any tips or anything for um, people who are vegetarian or do, don't meet, eat much meat? Because that's something I've experienced is um, I followed some of these meal planning, um, you know, guidelines, but often it's a lot of meat. And as someone who, you know, doesn't, can't afford to buy a lot of meat, who doesn't want to eat a lot of meat, it can be very limiting because it's just pasta. The yeah, that's a great question. So if you are uh, a committed vegetarian or just that's kind of your natural preference as well, I think meal planning is really truly something that you must embrace with open arms and hug it tight. Because if not, if you're not diligent about looking for new recipes, looking for cookbooks that you like and, and are workable for you, you may find yourself in that rut of kind of eating the same thing over and over and over again. So my encouragement would be to really like set aside an hour to kind of scour your favorite websites for recipes that look good to you, that are vegetarian, um, that give you a wide variety of different types of proteins and carbohydrates and things like that. And then make that a part of the skill of meal planning for you is this week, I'm going to try one new recipe. When you do have the ability and the energy and space to do that, you should absolutely be trying new recipes to really just increase your variety of foods, your variety sources of proteins, and just not get bored on pasta or rice or whatever the food might be that you find you're encountering all the time. Yes, we eat a lot of pasta and we eat a lot of uh, tofu stir fries. Yes. Yeah. And and there are a lot of other options. And I actually wrote a book, um, the high protein uh, vegan uh, cookbook for athletes. I co-wrote it with a really amazing chef who's just a very creative vegetarian chef. And um, there's some really awesome recipes in there to get you out of a rut. If you're there, they do take some of them are time intensive or just kind of take you way outside your box. But um it is something that when you make time for it and you learn it, it gets easier and faster as well. And that's, I think, something to keep in mind too. 
when you want to cook more, and especially when you are in a situation where you feel like you have some limits to what you're going to eat, you know, when you have time to make a more complicated recipe or something that's new, new to you, you should do it and then plan to make it again in a week or two so that you get better at it and it's quicker. And you may find that something that took you an hour the first time you made it only ends up taking you 20 minutes on the second or third try that you do it. So that's a skill just like any other part of this as well. I've noticed that when I'm baking, the first time I make something, I'll use a million bowls. Yes. And I'll put a bowl in the sink and I'll say, oh, I was going to use that bowl for something else. And then by the third or fourth time you've made that, um, you remember not to put the bowl in the sink and you can reuse the same bowl or you yeah. do the, um, you know, the method in a slightly different order so you can use less utensils. Absolutely. And the same thing is true for any other recipe as well. The goal is always as little dishes as possible, no matter what. <laughs> and once again, I think meal camp planning can help you do that as well. You know, if you're thinking about making a more complicated uh, entree, well, then you want to have a super simple side to go with that. You don't want to have, you know, three pots going at one time because that's just kind of madness. So meal planning can even help you with that dilemma of just less dishes, less stuff going on. Let me pair something pair something complex with something simple, and then you've made it a much more uh, manageable meal. I've made that mistake before where I've paired two or three complex meal uh, items together and then accidents happen. And Yes. And dinner's like three hours later. And mm. You're like, oops, yeah, that took longer than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is there a practice that you do in your own home to manage your meals? The, the practice that I think is the most helpful for me, and I've alluded to it a little bit already, is the weekly planning of what's for dinner. Um, and I actually do this typically on like Sunday mornings while our family is driving to church. We're all in the car together. You know, there's the freshness of a new week. And we'll go through as a family, all right, what's going on in our family life this week? Husband, children, here's what we have going on. Okay. I'm going to be cooking at home these three nights. Anyone have anything we haven't had in a while that you'd like to have this week? We just have a conversation about it, which does a couple of important things. It puts us on the same page. Um, as I said, you know, we have different preferences for our food and our family sometimes. So it kind of helps us all know what the plan is for the week. And I get a lot less questions as a mom. It helps us get a framework for our week as well, kind of what's going to be the pace of what's going on when the nights that we can be home as a family, as I said, that's really important to me. Like we'll say, all right, Tuesday and Thursday, we're at home together for dinner. Let's make sure everyone's there. And I'm really looking forward to that time together. Maybe we can watch some Harry Potter when we're done after, you know, and just kind of talk about how we can connect as a family that evening. Um, and then it also gives me ideas, you know, when the kids are like, oh, we haven't had this in a while. Can we have that? Oh, great idea. And then they feel like they've contributed and they're a part of it or they'll bring up, hey, can we have this? And I'm like, dude, we've had that every week for four weeks. Like we need to branch out. It's time to branch out. And so it just kind of gives us opportunity and it helps make my process a little bit more streamlined and it helps them feel a part of it. They've been heard and just gives us a good plan for the week. So that's been one of my practices of lately that's been working really well. I think it is really important to include everyone in the family because 
I have been in the situation as a kid where my parents mm-hmm. make something and I just will refuse to eat it. And, um, yeah, you just don't feel heard, I guess, in the sense that you don't get a choice in what you want to eat. Yeah. And that's, as I, as I kind of said earlier, that's, that can be a really challenging thing for a family, mm-hmm. especially when you do have a child who has maybe some strong food aversions and you have a strong willed child that can be a challenge too. And so, you know, again, for our family, it's just worked fairly well to be like, listen, I'm going to make this because I know you love it and you've asked for it. And then we're going to have this and we give and take in our family in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about also that it's a skill to learn to eat healthy as well. Sometimes we have to practice eating foods that are good for our bodies that nourish us. And it may not be our favorite food and we may not request that on our birthdays. But one little tip as well that mm-hmm. I have used, this is, this is probably my hack for family dinners, especially when you're making something that you know your family isn't a huge fan of mm-hmm. or your kids so one of the things that we do in those situations and a lot of nights is we will play cards while we are eating dinner. So even just a simple game of like Uno. Mm-hmm. And what I have found is when we're playing Uno, the kids just kind of quietly work their way through their meal. And there's a little bit less of that. Did you eat your vegetables? Did you eat these? Come on, let's eat, you know, because there's just some fun distraction and connection going on there as well. So that's been a tool I've used for many years, um, especially on those meals where I'm like, oh, I know this one's not going to be the most loved dinner. Hey, let's play some Uno, everybody. And it, it just makes for a lot smoother dinner experience. Is that sort of similar to people watching TV? Because I've heard you're not supposed to watch TV when you're eating your meals. Yeah, so I, I'm sure it's sort of similar, but I would definitely say it's different because we are connecting with other humans. There's conversation, there's laughter, there's joking. You, you have to pay attention, you know, beyond just kind of going mindless because you need to know what was that card played, et cetera. So it, it can also just kind of help engage in the meal. In my opinion, you know, I'm not sure what the, the research is on playing cards while you eat, but Um, For me, it helps us engage more together, have a meaningful eating experience, and then also kind of help kids not pay so much attention to what they don't like on their plates. I'd love to, I'd love to be the person who gets to do that research. The effect of card playing on meals with children. I think, I think that's a great idea. We might actually have a really brilliant idea. Uh huh. You heard it here first, guys. And also let us know if you've tried this at home. Yeah, I'd love to know if anyone else has. Exactly. Um, so um, we'll move on to our open mic section. Um, so this is where the guest, you get to talk about something that you're passionate about that's not necessarily related to our topic. Um, did you have any ideas of what you wanted to talk about today? I would love to talk about a, a little more about this idea of performance, Mm -hmm. um, being the lens that we use to help drive our behaviors in health and wellness. So as I said, at working with athletes, their purpose and their drive is so clear and so strong. You know, it's to make a certain team. It's to achieve a certain time or goal in their sport. It's to win a particular game or match or to advance to a level it's super clear and, and their decisions, therefore, are also very clear for them. 
And it's very easy to say yes to this and no to this because their purpose is so clear. For us as just mere mortals, you know, not so athletic folks, I think it's helpful for us to also have great intention about what our purpose is. And this is one thing I really love helping people work through is discovering what's their purpose, what's their core values, and are they living in alignment with that? Because then we have this wonderful North Star that helps us see, okay, today I want to perform. I want to show up as a great mom, as a wife, as a, as a, a sister, a, a, a daughter, or as a great employee, or as a great boss, or I want to make a difference in this sector of my world. What do I need to do to support that to happen? Whether that's in the way that I eat, in the way that I move my body, the way that I sleep and recover, the way that I drink or not drink, the way I connect with people that are important to me. And so we get this really strong push in our life to do things that maybe have been harder for us to do in the past because we haven't been aligned with what really matters to us. And so when it comes to nutrition or meal planning or cooking at home, a lot of times the lens we just default to is a thinner body, you know, restriction. What do I need to cut away from my life? And and that's fine. But I've my experience has been is that that motivation runs out for most people. It's not really a lasting reason to really stay committed to a behavior like meal planning or anything else. So I would encourage people to really think about if you've never done work with your purpose or your value system to identify some resources in that. I think even your company might have some things aligned with that. And I do work with my clients in this realm as well, because when you identify what that is, it really makes decision-making more clear, not necessarily easy, but more clear. And we get that push to do things, to fill in that gap between I know what to do, but I'm not doing it with whole new life and energy and then saying, well, I want to show up as the best version of myself with great energy for work, for my family, for my parents, for this service opportunity or whatever it might be. What do I need to do to support that? And that's a whole process in and of itself of experimenting and finding what works well too. But that's just kind of a little deposit I would love to leave people as they you know, think about this meal planning topic. It's it's not just about, you know, being thinner or losing weight or body fat or what are those, whatever that might be. And, and again, those are fine things. It's really about how, what do you need to do to show up as your best more often in your life? I, I think that's such a great, um, I guess, way of looking at not just meal planning, but also um, so many other aspects of our lives. Um, for example, I started running um, last year. Um, I started running because I, I guess I wanted to be fitter. Um, but I realized that um, the reason I've kept going is because I really like being able to catch the train um, and not get on there feeling like death. Yeah. And I think for me, that's, that's, awesome. that's like a goal is just like, just don't die when I run for the train. And I think that's that's a really cool thing. And and to be like, I actually do kind of love this feeling and this experience. You're not forcing yourself to run because you think you have to be a runner. You've connected it to something very real in your life. And I think that's amazing. That's really, to me, the goal is connecting these behaviors to something that matters to you, that brings value and purpose and joy to you. Yep. And um, I'm, I, I'm late to less things now. 
Oh, good. Well, that's huge, especially if that's really important to you, being yep. punctual. Mm-hmm. Then that's fantastic. Yeah. So everyone, you can use this um, advice in every aspect of your life. Absolutely. That's a great example. I love that. I'm not going to forget that, Gabrielle. <laughs> I really love giving that example. I think it's it's my greatest example I've ever come up with. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you've given us so many resources today. If people want to access you and your resources, where can they find you? Thank you. Uh, I have a website. It is simply genobratic.com. That is my name. The, the name of my website there is called Make Healthy Easy. So that's really my my passion is to help people find tools and techniques and recipes that make healthy living easier for them. And so you'll find a lot of recipes on there as well as health and wellness articles and supplements and things like that that are there. As I mentioned, we put together a meal planning boot camp. It's totally free. Um, and if you go to genobratic.com forward slash meal planning boot camp, uh, you can sign up for that. And it's a six week process to really walk you through this. And then you can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram at make.healthy.easy. I'm on Facebook at uh, Make Healthy Easy. And you can also find me on LinkedIn if you like that more on the uh, business side of things at jbraddockrd. Thank you. And we'll make sure all of those links are available in our show notes so people can find you nice and easy, especially the link for the uh, meal planning um, boot camp. So thank awesome. you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've learned a lot. I've laughed a lot. Oh, good. Gabriella. that is a win for me. Thank you for the invitation to be on your show. Thank you to your audience for listening. And I really do hope that people reach out and connect. Um, and I would, I would just love that. So thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. You've been listening to On the House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.